What's up, Father's House family? Somebody make some noise. In this moment, just want to take uh, some time to welcome those who are at our Greece campus, uh, our Monroe Extension, also our Life Center, and everybody online. Somebody say, la-di-da-di. Everybody, come on. One more time, make some noise for Jesus in this place if you're excited. Listen, so grateful to be here with my Father's House family. You all are amazing. I want to take this moment, number one, to just honor uh, your pastors. How many of you know you have the greatest pastors on earth? Come on, make some noise for Pastor Pierre and Pastor Marlise. I'm just so honored, and I know this because they are our pastors as well. My incredible wife is here uh, with me this morning. Give them the Vanna Black wave, if you will. There she is, Chantal. We're just, uh, we're, we're, we're so grateful to be here with you guys. Uh, I get to pastor Serve City Church uh, in Toronto, and they are just finishing up service over there. And so uh, I'm grateful, however, to be able to be here in the house with you. Listen, if you will, if you could turn with me to the book of Galatians. What book did I say? Galatians. Last week we started... Uh, we started our, our, uh, our new series, Who Needs Christmas? And so I have the honor of being able to go into part two. And so if you will, Galatians chapter four, and we're just going to read verses four and five, and then we are going to pray and jump in. Is that all right this morning? All right, here we go. Uh, it says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons bow your heads with me as we pray god i'm just so thankful for this preaching moment lord i thank you that your word is to a place where we can hear it and be empowered by it and so i just pray lord that you would open every heart and every mind lord we come against every barrier of the enemy every distraction I pray, Lord, that you would indeed draw our hearts and minds in, that we would receive from this your word. Thank you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. amen. One more time, put those hands together and give the Lord some praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. So who needs Christmas? Listen, uh, the events of Christmas would be unbelievable if they were not so remarkable be unbelievable if they were not so remarkable. See, the story of Christmas doesn't start uh, with a young couple who's expecting a child. In fact, it starts uh, even earlier than Mary and Joseph. It actually goes back about 2,000 years before that to a story of Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham. At the time, he was actually named Abram. And his wife, Sarah, at the time, her name was Sarai. And God makes a promise to them. They're actually, when this promise comes to pass in their life, uh, they are 90 and 100 years old. God promises that they are going to have a son. How crazy is this? That they're going to have a son, even though they're up there in age. And through their son, whose name is Isaac, the Bible says that all the nations of the world would be blessed. Now, it, it, this must be because the world needed blessing in this sort uh, of a manner. And so it's an incredible story because it actually has a lot of historicity. Now, the thing is, last week we learned that the world needed Christmas. 
The world needed Christmas. But this week, we want to talk about the fact as we're asking and answering the question, who needs Christmas? We realize that God needed Christmas as well. Somebody say, God did. Now, the thing is, you know, that might sound oxymoronic to some of y'all because you're like, God needed something? I mean, God is all-sufficient. How is God lacking in something? Why is it that God needs something? Well, this is, not, uh, this is not God needing Christmas in that he is lacking something. You know, because God is like that, that auntie or uncle, you know, especially we're coming around Christmas time. It's like that auntie or uncle, you always are like, what can I buy for them? They got everything. So he's not lacking, but he is in a position where he needs Christmas to communicate to the world his magnanimous love that is beyond our comprehension. Who's with me on this morning? So this is, this is amazing because, you know, God was clear uh, that Abraham would not be around for the fulfillment of this promise. He just got a taste test in that miracle when it is that he had his son Isaac at 100 years old. But even though this was the case, 2,000 years later is when Jesus would actually show up and the Christmas scene would uh, come to fruition and begin. You know, can I just give you a quick little nugget as we get started? As if, it's, if it's okay, say it's okay. Here we go. Watch this. This is just for your life application. Happened 2,000 years later. Christmas teaches us that God's best work often takes time. God's best work often takes time this is why we have scriptures such as galatians 6 9 that tells us don't get weary in doing good come on somebody because in due season that you and i will reap if we don't give up and there's somebody today who's wandering around god's timeline and you're like man you know is this thing gonna ever happen but i wonder if it's about one or two people in this place that know that if god said it it might take some time but it's gonna come to pass oh i feel church already because i just wonder if there's anybody that understands that lasagna in the oven tastes a whole lot better than lasagna in the microwave not only this not only this but look 2,000 years to show up and that Abraham was not around to see it. Here's another nugget for you. Christmas teaches us that God's plans for you often extend beyond your lifetime. So look, so oftentimes God's plans, the plan that God had for Abraham uh, to that the entire world would be blessed through him, it extended beyond him. And many of us, we're very short-sighted as it pertains to the promises of God in our lives. Because we're usually just thinking about ourselves and how it's going to benefit us. But when God made this promise to Abraham in the book of Genesis, the promise that he had was something that was generational. Come on. You know what? I just want to let someone know on this morning, there are things that God wants to do in your life. And it's not just intended to bless your life. But I wonder if I got about 100 witnesses in here that would know and understand, come on, that the plan that he has for you is meant to reach the generations beyond you i believe that there are grandkids come on and great grandkids that aren't even on the scene yet that are getting ready to be impacted by the demonstrated faith that god manifests in your life my 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 somebody somebody just touch yourself say it's bigger than me it's bigger than me bigger than me don't be short-sighted with god's promises so as we're talking about this god needing christmas to demonstrate 
to demonstrate his, the magnanimity of his love to the world. So we're talking about this. We need to understand because how many of you are parents in here? Let me see the hands if you are a parent. You know, my incredible wife has given me three amazing babies. And so we have three children, Gabriel, Noah, and Claire. She has me wrapped around her finger. And uh, it's just amazing. I love doing life with them. But, you know, the thing is, uh, and, and maybe you'll identify with me in this, that, you know, I just desire for them to understand and know and be confident in the love that I have for them and to know that I am trustworthy and that I have their best interest at mind. Are there any other parents that wish your, your children would know that? You know, and so how many of you know that sometimes words don't communicate it as effectively as actions? So I can say till I'm blue in the face, Gabriel, I love you, son. But there was nothing like when on that day, my wife and I, we decided for his birthday, we got him an iPod. His very first iPod, and it had on the back, his name was written and engraved on it, you know, and it had a scripture on there. Oh, my. He, he was like, wow, this is incredible. All this love they've been talking about, it materialized. Now, mind you, mind you, I'm not saying that love is materialistic. But what I'm saying is that oftentimes, oftentimes we have to go beyond words in order for the love that we're expressing verbally to be able to become tangible in people's lives. And so watch this. It might not be buying an iPod for you, but for showing your kids love, it might be you logging out of Instagram and actually spending some physical time with them. Who's with me on this morning? And so... The fact of the matter is that love needs to be demonstrated. And so when I'm thinking about this, who needs Christmas and God needing Christmas, imagine God, our heavenly father, in a position trying to say, God who is spirit, as John chapter 4, verse 24 lets us know, God who is spirit, he's thinking to himself, how in the world am I going to, to communicate, communicate to the world how much I love them? How can I communicate this? I, I'm invisible. I am not yet in a flesh position. How is it that I can communicate this love so they know that I'm trustworthy, so that they know, you know, this world that is turned in on itself? How can they know? The answer is Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. This is why God needs Christmas. Because if you look now at our passage for today, our passage for today in Galatians chapter 4, Verse 4 and 5 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Everybody shout the name Jesus. Jesus. He sent forth his son born of a woman under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we may receive adoption of sons. Now, I want you to realize if we can just look at the historicity of this passage for a moment. This is the apostle Paul talking. Everybody say Paul. And Paul is an individual who has a Jewish background. He grew up with some specific messianic expectations, expectations around who the Messiah would be. He was a Pharisee, so he was someone that was focused. He had a, a, a laser-like focus on the law, and he understood the law of God and the Ten Commandments and everything that surrounded it. And so he was focused on this with terrible exactness, if you will. And Paul... He was an individual who was a persecutor of Christians. He was responsible. He was responsible for many people being in a position where they were locked up for naming the name of Christ. And in fact, 
he has a conversion experience while he's on his way to bind some more Christians. So I think it's safe to say that Paul did not have an agenda in writing this. This is someone who was prospering when they were going in the opposite direction. So I would say that Paul didn't have an agenda. He had an aha. He has an aha when he's headed in the opposite direction. He's doing his own thing. He's coming against Christ. And he has an aha moment which he lays out for us here in this passage. As a result, as a result of his encounter with Christ. He has this moment, and you can read more about that in Acts chapter 9 if you, if you want to uh, look into that deeper. But he says, but when the fullness of time had come, that God sent forth his son. I mean, this is, this is miraculous for someone who is bound under the law and captured and caught up under this position where they were, they were in, into the details that were pointing to God but missed God. For him to come to this position, you know, this is, this is so powerful. When the set time had fully come. What set time is he talking about? You need to understand also the historical backdrop of the time when this is happening. This is a time when uh, the Roman Empire is in position. An empire that in its prime with its own, it was in its prime with its own great commission. Want to Romanize the entire world and civilize the entire world, leaving in its wake a common culture, language, highway, port system, a failed temple where money triumphed mercy. Cleanliness trumped compassion. Hear me? God was valued, but those who God valued weren't valued. It was an empire built on violence, a, a temple that was sustained through corruption, but when the time had fully come. This was the backdrop when things were awry and stuff was out of order, even in the name of trying to be civil. That is when Jesus, the Bible says, that's when God sent his son. Can I give you another nugget? These are better than chicken, uh, than, than McDonald's nuggets, I, I tr trust me. Here it is. Christmas teaches us that God often does his best work at the worst times. When things were out of order, when things were chaotic, this is when God, when this, this time, the fullness of time. We, see, many of us, we would think that God would show up at the time when things are together with pomp and circumstance and this glorious entry at this moment. But no, it's when things are happening and look the craziest that this is when God sends his son. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that understands that the craziness and the hellacious nature of your situation is not a deterrent to God from being able to show up smack dab in the middle of it and do a miracle. Come on. In fact, I believe that dirt is the greatest environment for things to grow. And there are some of y'all that are looking like, man, my situation is messy. My situation is dirty. God must not love me. But baby, I showed up all the way from Toronto, Canada to let about 150 y'all know that this is the perfect environment for God to do a miracle in your life. If you believe it, you ought to go ahead and put those hands together. Anybody with faith in the room this morning that believes that God is a, I feel this thing. Look, look, look. At the right time. Somebody say, the right time. The right time when it wouldn't be lost. Look, look, look. See, see, when it would be notable. When it would be memorable. 
when it would be remarkable. Yeah, remember I started by saying, and I encourage you to understand that the events surrounding Christmas, they would be unbelievable if they weren't so remarkable. And so God, God enters the picture in the time that it would be most potent. That it, would, that it would be notable and rememberable. And so there are some questions that many of us ask. You're asking, why? Around Christmas, why God in a body? Right? Why is God, you know, as we're talking about God at the fullness of time coming it through his son. Why God in a body? Not only that, but why God in a baby body? Like, why baby Jesus? All the fullness of God dwelling and choosing to be crammed, if, you know, into a, a baby body? This, you know, why, just why, why is this? Why? Why not a messenger? Why not an angel? Why not? Why, why did it have to be God? Why is this? And, and so the text says, it says, but when the, the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why did he show up like one of us? Why did he show up as a subordinate? As someone that was submitted to the law as opposed to being a law unto himself. Why is this? Why? What is this concept, you know? Uh, and so as we continue to look at the text, you know, the Bible says in verse 4, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, verse 5, to, to do what? What, what to, to, to what? You know, why did God need to send Jesus? Why? Why did God need Christmas? Can I tell you, if I can tell you, say, tell me. To do what laws and prophets and judges and warnings, come on somebody, and exile and punishment and even sacred texts on a paper could not do. God showed up to do what everything before him, as good as it may have been, could not do. Is there anybody that understands that even when everything else fails, that our God never fails and is capable, Ephesians 3.20 of doing exceedingly and abundantly above all. Somebody just shout all. All that you could ask or think according to the power that works in you. Glory to our wonderful God. This is why he shows up to do something personal that would pave the way for something relational. Remember the text declares and says that when the fullness of time had come that he sends forth his son born under the law, that the way would be paved for us to receive adoption of sons and daughters. The God's desire is relational. It's for us to become a part of his family. For those of you who are on the outside, I want to say welcome home. Because God's desire is for you to be not on the outside, but to be a part of his family. Realize and understand, God says, I'm not sending an angel. Not sending a sheep or a bull or a goat because none of those things are able to fully communicate who it is and the love that I have for you. So he says, I'm going to show up myself. And so they, can, I, can I give you a, 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 another nugget? Christmas reveals that God personalized our redemption. God personalized it. God, God took your redemption personal. Come on. He took it personally. You know, like when parents, when they're like, I'm not going to send a note to school, but this is a situation that I need to show up for my kids. So the teacher really understands. Maybe my parents were the only ones that did that type of stuff. And you were embarrassed because they just showed up at school. 
And they're like, excuse me, Mr. So-and-so, I just have something to tell. But there was just something that made us, we, we knew that they were for us. And we knew, that the, the teachers knew that our parents were not playing any games. God takes it personal. Come on. He says, I know that y'all are jacked up, but I, I don't want to play broken telephone with my love. I don't want them to hear through a chain. Because you know how broken telephone does. It starts out one way where you hear a message, you know, the message might have started as elephant shoe, and then by the time it gets to you, it turns into Peter fishing on the left side of the boat. And that's the way that we often are with broken telephone. God's like, I'm not trying to play broken telephone. I want them to, know, I want them to hear it from the horse's mouth. I want them to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I love them more than anybody. And no matter how many failed relationships they have, no matter who walks out on them, I don't know who I came to preach to this morning, but it doesn't matter how crazy it looks. You can know and you can trust and they can know and understand that I am for them somebody that believes it give God the praise okay I wasn't trying to go there but I just feel the preach in fact go ahead and touch your neighbor and tell them neighbor don't be scared just touch your neighbor in fact give them a high five tell them neighbor God loves you more than you'll ever know come on come on look at somebody else tell them you serve a God Who's not just dying to meet you? Come on. Tell him he died to meet you. And he didn't stay dead. Come on. But bright and early. Come on. On a Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. Somebody ought to be excited about it. Because on the third day, he got up with all power. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. All right, I got to get, get back to the text. I got to get back to the text. Oh, but is there anybody that's excited about the fact that he got up? Woo, okay. Hey, okay. God's not playing broken telephone. He took it personally. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he who knew no sin became sin for us. When you're talking about God taking it personally, he didn't just show up in your place, but he came and became the thing that was dooming us and that had us in a place where we were bound. Here it is. If we transition to the book of Romans, what book did I say? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. The Bible makes it clear that uh, Jesus came as we're answering the question, what did he come to do? He came to redeem. Everybody say redeem. Those who are under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. God's desire was to remove the obstacle to unrestricted fellowship with God. This was a person. This was this was personal. So he had to come in person. How would we know where we stood with God if God had not come to stand with us? So just at the right time. God staged a demonstration. How many of you know that actions speak louder than words? Come on, somebody. Even words on a page. It had to be a demonstration that would be documented. This is why Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrates. Everybody say, demonstrates. 
he demonstrates and the word there because the Bible is written in Greek Hebrew and Aramaic on three different continents Asia Africa and Europe and here in the New Testament it's written in Greek and so the Greek word here is suisteo everybody say suisteo suisteo and the word it means uh, the word for demonstrates to provide evidence of a personal characteristic or claim through action to demonstrate, show, bring out, prove, to consolidate, to bring together. So in other words, God is not just saying this, but he's showing it. He's proving it. He's making it clear. Now I want you to understand how serious this is. Because when we think about it from a, a historical perspective, over the past 2,000 years, a multiplicity of things have happened. Many of which, if I come and ask you, you would have no clue about. Because so many things have happened. However, although this is the case, we are still talking about a little baby that was born in the armpit of the Roman Empire. Come on. Who came to save his people from their sins. We're still talking about it. You know what I love? Can I give you another nugget? Here it is. Watch this. The fact is that Christmas teaches us that God's love cuts through the clutter. Ficket, uh, ficket. Got to say that again. <laughs> Christmas teaches us that God's love cuts through the clutter. You know when you get junk mail? And people spend thousands of dollars on getting stuff to show up at your mailbox. Many of, much of the stuff, as soon as you see it, you throw it away. But there's, some, there's nothing like getting a personalized letter that you know that when that letter shows up in the mail and it has your name on it. Oh, come on, somebody. You just know that somebody took the time to write you a letter or to send you something personalized. And see, with all of the junk mail that has happened over the past 2,000 years, skip 2,000 years. How about yesterday? How about this week? Come on, somebody. All of the junk that has happened in your life. How many of you know that God's love can cut through the clutter? And I don't know why you are here on today. I don't know who it was that brought you here. Some of y'all might have been drugged here. It was just your grandma or your mom and you say okay mom today I'm gonna come to church with you but I'm here to tell you that this is a setup and it doesn't matter why or how you got here that God's love is here and is demonstrated to you through Jesus Christ and I offer you the invitation to come on in from the outside come on where the fireplace is warm come on where there's love that is unimaginable and God's desire is for you to be able to come and experience his love love and that relationship with him verse 8 but God demonstrates his own love for us in this the prophets hinted at it sacred text foreshadowed it but in Jesus God demonstrated and documented it John chapter 1 verse 14 declares after God makes it clear that Jesus is the word, says he's the word of God, he's known as the word of God, that in John chapter 1 verse 14, the Bible says the word became flesh. In other words, it was demonstrated. God says this is the way that I'm going to do it. I'm going to become flesh so that I can demonstrate my love to the world. And I mean, this is powerful. If God showing love for us wasn't amazing enough, look at what it says in the text. Look at what it says. Look at it. it says, while we were still sinners God 
sent his son to die for us. I mean, it goes on and says, but you know, people would, ra- would rarely even die for someone who deserves it. But while we were, can I just tell you how crazy it is? It's like Batman dying for Joker. While we were enemies of God, while we didn't have it together, when stuff was jacked up. See, some of y'all, you, I mean, maybe if you, were, you had it all together, you might have come out uh, of your mother's womb speaking in other languages and come into church and, and all of this wonderful. You were born by water birth into the baptismal pool. But there's somebody, I wonder if there's anybody like me who has a little bit of a color, colorful past. Come on, somebody. And there's stuff in your life that you know was hindering you from a relationship with God. But I'm so glad that while I was yet in sin that God didn't wait for me to get it together come on somebody he didn't wait for me to have it all right but before I even took my first breath come on he died and showed his unconditional and incredible love to me while I was yet a sinner somebody say while we were sinners here we are but the big questions are you know but why did Jesus die Why such a violent and public demonstration? Why couldn't Jesus just pronounce everybody forgiving? Couldn't he just show up on a hill and be like, heads up, everybody. Dad says you're all forgiven. (laughs) People would not have believed him. He tried that. Look, write it down. Matthew 9, verses 1 through 8. There's a story of Jesus actually healing a guy by saying your sins are forgiven. And the people, them, they were not happy about this. And they didn't believe that he had, they're like, okay, you have the capability of forgiving people who did stuff to you, but you can't forgive people for stuff they did above some, uh, to somebody else or for stuff that they did to God. And so he says, you know what? No, no, no. See, no one would believe him because this was a catastrophe. We were in a catastrophe where we were dishonoring the source of our life. And as a result of this, uh, it was an expression of our ingratitude and put us in a place where we were deserving the forfeiture of life. We owed God our lives. We we owed a debt that we could not repay. And this verse, Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates in his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In demonstrating this, Jesus' death demonstrated the magnitude of our ingratitude. And also simultaneously the magnitude of his love for us. So it showed us how much of spoiled brats we are. But simultaneously, see, the law would only bring you to that position. The law says you suck and then stops. But grace says, yeah, we suck. Yeah, we messed it up. But watch this. But grace. And I love Sir Mix-a-Lot moments in scripture. That might have gone over some of y'all heads. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, I love when big butts show up in scripture. Come on. Because the fact, oh my God. Because the fact of the matter is that it doesn't matter what it says before the butt. The butt says that even though what happened before it was the case, because of God. Y'all still with me? God needed Christmas to demonstrate and document his love for this rebel race. Otherwise, how in the world would we have ever known the magnanimity of God's love towards us? The fact is that all religions point to Jesus. What? You know why I say this? 
All religions point to Jesus because they highlight the gulf, the gap, the chasm, and the, or the chasm and the mystery of God. And, and they push people, watch this, what we start doing is we start trying to do stuff to get ourselves to a position where we can reach God. But the reason why they all point to Jesus is because they highlight our inadequacy and our need for something greater than our works or our efforts. Come on, somebody. And the, what, what, what God demonstrates in Jesus, in Jesus, the chasm is crossed and the mystery is solved. Somebody that knows it ought to give the Lord some praise in this moment. So as I bring this plane down for a landing, don't you understand? The Bible says when the set time had fully come. A Jewish carpenter discovers his fiance is pregnant. And uh, he didn't get her pregnant. And so in that moment, as you can imagine, he is showing up saying, what in the world am I supposed to do? And it's clear that God sends a messenger. And here it is, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. The messenger says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Everybody whisper his name, Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. His name, uh, Yeshua, Yeshua, Hamashiach. It means, it means, his name, Yeshua, it means Yahweh rescues. God rescues. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. What did the prophet Isaiah say? Verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. God took your redemption personally. He says, I'm not going to send an angel uh, because they worship me. So they're not good enough. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to sell an animal because I created the animal. Mary had a little lamb and her fleece were white as snow. And that's fantastic. But it's not worthy of dying for my sins so or dying for the sins of mankind. So I'm going to put on flesh the confines of flesh. And I'm God so I can do anything. So that's one of the things that I can do. And with purpose, I'm going to come to the earth. And I'm going to die. God with us. God, he says, I'm going to be with them. And so God staged a demonstration. God staged a demonstration and documented it so that the world would know we needed to see it, to believe it. He had to be with us so we could know that he was for us. We needed a demonstration. God needed Christmas. He needed to use Christmas. Someone else did as well, and that's where we'll pick up next week. So make sure that you're in the house next week. And the incredible thing about Christmas is that it's an invitation. Christmas is an invitation. God wrote us a love letter, the greatest, most verbose, most prolific love letter that could ever be written. In the person of Jesus. And Jesus, he calls to you today, wherever it is that you're coming from. He calls to you and he says, 
accept this incredible gift. I know you're imperfect. I know you don't have it all together, but that's why I came. I would have let you do it, and I would have just stayed up in heaven if you could do it. And so he says, accept this gift. Come into my family. Come into relationship with me. And so you all over, whether you're at Greece today, the Greece campus, or Monroe Extension or Life Center, everyone watching online, you have the opportunity in this moment to respond to what it is that you have just heard. And so I'm getting ready to pray a prayer of commitment. In this moment, you can be reconciled to God, whether it's the first time that you've ever decided to accept this gift and put your trust in Christ, or a while ago you might have said yes to God and time might have gone by and the cares of life have disconnected your fellowship with him and you're like, I'm coming back home today. I'm here to tell you, you might have run away from God, but God has not run away from you. And he is waiting. He's been waiting with his arms open wide to receive you back into fellowship. Whoever you are, sir, ma'am, brother, sister, here you are. Here I am and I extend this invitation to you. So I'm getting ready to pray this prayer. If you can, every head bow, every eye closed in this moment. And I want to know who I'm praying for. I want to know who's going to be making this decision. If you feel compelled, you're t you feel that tugging in your heart today. And you're like, today is my time for the first time. Or maybe... This is a recommitment. On the count of three, I want you to pop your hand up. Just between me, you, and God. Nothing weird is going to happen. I'm just going to pray for you, but I want to know who I'm praying for. Here we go. One, two, three. I see those hands. Praise God. I see those hands. Oh, praise God for those hands. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Just pop those hands up wherever you are in this moment. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to pray with you in this moment. And you can repeat after me. We just say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you. Jesus for dying for my sins and rising from the dead come into my heart be with me now and forevermore use me to make an impact on those in my circle of influence and I thank you and give you praise for doing it in Jesus mighty name amen